0: Everyone, welcome to the OFD podcast. I am your host, Site Manager, Emperor, Supreme Warlord, and Defender of the Faith over at OneFootDown dot on the SB Nation Network. With me tonight, the Triforce is back in full effect. Jude Seymour, Brad Wechter, fellas, what's up?
1: Hey, how's it going?
2: I just damn near punched my microphone when you said that. I'm so excited to podcast tonight. <laughs>
0: I've actually gotten tweets from people today going, "Where the hell's the podcast?" That (laughs) we have—it has been a little light the last few weeks. So uh, I'm like, "Yeah, we're recording tonight. We 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 got your back." So, ah, so here we are, Notre Dame, eight and two, ranked. Are we back up to 15 right in the playoff rankings? Yes. It's like it's like we just cannot leave 15 and 16. That not like it even matters, and. uh, Look, they we're stuck they in the, neutral. Yeah, yeah, we are stuck in neutral. So let's let's uh, let's think about our first option here. Navy, the dismantling of the absolute plundering of the pirates on the field. Do you, Brad? What uh, what was your biggest takeaway from just that absolute beatdown? Oh, this
2: is all your fault. We didn't move up in the rankings because you just weren't buying Navy as a ranked team. <laughs> you, you remember it. I, I sold it too hard, right? <laughs> but no, I mean, it, it was good to see the offense come out like that again and just like click early, chase Claypool, damn near setting, setting records that uh, I had to look up myself. I thought uh, that it was Maurice, uh, Maurice Stovall with – 5 against BYU in 05 but he only scored 4 so it yeah. cool was really close. And uh, I thought it was really good to see. I think it it's very reminiscent of the Virginia game where you blow out a lower ranked team and of course the team that loses that game is not going to be ranked anymore. But I I don't think
3: it's totally fair that we're still sitting down around 15, you know.
0: Yeah, I I'm I'm with you on that. We we will definitely get to uh, the rankings here in l- a little bit. Jude, what surprised you most about about Saturday? Because, I, as far as I remember from our last conversation, you were expecting a lot different game. Um, so what, uh, what, what surprised you most was it uh, the defense absolutely just like shutting him down, or or was it just like the brutal efficiency of Ian Book and Chase Claypool, or was it a, the completely anemic run game that Notre Dame is? no that
1: that did not surprise me look i'm going to i'm going to sit here and say um i make a lot of takes on this podcast uh most of them are terrible and um i think my it turns out in retrospect my extreme concern about how navy tough navy would play us uh was unfounded um you know I, I, guess to give myself a little bit of credit, I did say that Navy games tend to go one of two ways, which is like possession for possession or Navy shoots itself in the foot and it's a lopsided blowout. And that's, and that's what, that's what ultimately happened. I could not have foreseen Malcolm Perry fumbling as many times as he did. I, I guess I, mean, I could
0: just click read owned him. I mean, yeah. even before the Moala, um, I mean, because of all those fumbles, they were forced, save one. Uh, one was just a straight drop from Perry. Uh, but, you know, Moala with, with the crazy play. But, I mean, Kareem, you know, punching the ball out, that's what they, what they practice. I mean, shooting yourself with the foot, I, that's like a 50-50 with that. Like, I agree, a turnover is half your fault. Uh, but in, those, in, in a lot of those cases on on Saturday, those were definitely forced by the defense playing excellent defensive football.
1: You know, Navy's not a team that's built to come back uh, when they get down two scores. So it it became sort of, a, I, I think I don't know how you felt, but I felt like at fourteen nothing it became kind of a maybe even twenty one nothing became a fate accompli at that at that point. I had I had no doubt that Notre Dame was going to cruise, and then it just became a question of how fast we could get Phil Jerkovic in the game. And, right. you know, and, and I, I think twenty
0: one nothing was was the sealer. Yeah, yeah, twenty-one, twenty-one, nothing was game over for sure. You get that, you get that third score, score. I mean, which was a, a very was that, reminiscent the last was, year.
1: Was that the Lindsay bomb that made it twenty-one nothing, or was that twenty-eight nothing?
0: I think Claypool got three in a row. Okay. I mean,
1: yeah, it was first. Claypool.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was, it was three, three to Claypool, and then Lindsay, and then back to Claypool,
1: baby. Maybe. Oh, maybe the third and one. Where they threw that kind of jump ball to, to Claypool on the right hand side in the end zone, and he just kind of beat it, yeah. beat the poor defender. You know, it,
0: it's a great picture because he's facing. If, if you look at like what like the pictures for that touchdown catch, he's facing the complete raw way. Like you know, if you if you didn't watch the game and know that he had like spun around and, and kind of caught that thing on a bobble, you'd be like, what the hell is this pick? Like it looks like an interception got awry or so. It's a funny pick.
2: Yeah, well, it's funny because everybody knew exactly where
0: that was going too. Like Tarico called it out long before the snap. I mean, how let's let's take a pause for a second. And I, I was gonna—I wrote an article a week or two ago about like some of the most underrated things, and I was basing it off of like our conversations in you know in July and August. And so I I, I listed like a lot of the underrated things on Notre Dame this year, you know, or. Or whatnot, but you know, I was going to write another similar article and and chose not to this week. Um, But I I want to mention my thought here was that you know there's some underrated players on this team still, and like last year, like I don't think we we didn't know most Irish fans took Miles Boykin for granted, and and I think in that respect, I think Chase Claypool has been taken for granted by the fan base probably up until this last week or so, last couple of weeks. And, you know, he's gone, y'all, like all his eligibility is out. Like he has no choice. He's gone. So it, it, it's kind of, it's kind of a sad thing. And I started looking back to like, like the last, over like the last decade, like just players that popped up in my mind that were like completely underrated by the fan base or underappreciated, I should say, not underrated, but underappreciated during their, their four years at Notre Dame. I think Chase Claypool is one of those guys. And I think a lot of it has to do with like our, our massive media coverage, um, you know, from everyone on Notre Dame and so much of the, um, of the media coverage about Chase Claypool is like how immature he is. Like there was a lot of talking down about Chase Claypool by media members for stuff that has nothing to do with the football field. Chase Claypool has never been in trouble. He's never been suspended. He's never had to miss a half or whatnot, I mean, there's never been any issues other than that we think there might have been some stuff because the media keeps bringing it up. And yet, he keeps performing like a boss. Like when Pete Sampson said, you know, before the season that he, Chase Claypool reminded him of Michael Floyd, he was pretty fucking spot on. I mean, that's this is exactly, this is these are Michael Floyd-type things that he's doing. Um, you know, I so I just think that we've you know we, we we kind of missed the chance to really prop Chase Claypool up over these last few years i don't, I don't know maybe maybe i'm maybe I'm off them.
1: I, I think that's fair um you know, I, Pete on his most recent athletic uh, the shamrock podcast said, you know after he said that, he kind of thought, well maybe you know maybe I shouldn't have been that far out in terms of my assessment um you know, he was kind of and then you know there was there was a couple of weeks where Chase Claypool wasn't as 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 dominant as he's been these last few weeks um, man, he ramps it up in november yeah and it like, just that, historically he's he's good not, now it's not just the, the stats it's it's when you watch and you see book running towards the sideline and he throws you know a 18 yard dart down the field you just know chase claypool is literally standing on his tippy toes reaching as far as he can to like to grab the ball or he's you know he's jumped up in the air and and come down with it and because he's beaten the defender and it's just it's it's been so much fun to watch I I just it it
0: goes even beyond it goes even beyond like the catches that he makes like this is a guy who has been one of our best special teams players like a guy this is a guy who goes out and balls out man like he gives everything he has here's your what here's your starting wide receiver, your star, probably your best player, uh, you know, in many respects. And he's wanting to be out there on special teams making plays, was, has been a baller since day one. I think Chase Claypool got a bad rap from the media and that, and that was pushed, on, you know, pushed from them to the fans. And it never, I mean, it, there was never really any basis. I, I really don't even know why they keep saying it. And then you watch him and he's playing his nuts off He's clearly a leader on the team, whether there's a C on his chest or not. I mean, just go watch, watch the way they break down a huddle. Just Chase Claypool in the middle breaking it down. Now, anybody who's anybody who's played knows whether you got a C in your chest or not, the guy that's running the show is a leader. You know, you just don't let some <laughs> some random guy, you know, you know, call the shots, you know, on pregame and, and all that.
1: But I just to be, to be a little fair to the to the media members, right? Just remember how captains get picked on this team, right?
0: Right, it's, but I'm I'm saying it goes beyond the, like the whole captain.
1: It's thing. a vote of the team, and it, and it, the ultimate decision is the coaches, right? So the team brings a you know a, votes for a couple of people, and then the coaches ultimately decide. So if the team picked Chase Claypool to be a captain, and the coaches disagree, then the coaches have said have identified some sort of trait in Clay in Claypool that we don't see and, and that maybe has been diminished or completely evaporated by this point in the season. And if the players didn't pick him, then I think that speaks something to, to where he was at the beginning of the season. Now I agree with you, like he's playing like a, like we know a captain should, he's playing like a true leader. Um, but you know, I think that's been, I think that's been an evolution in, in chase Claypool, not only um, since his freshman year, but also since the even beginning, the beginning of the season.
0: Right. What I'm saying is I mean, as it pertains to like as a captain, but like every conversation involving Chase Claypool as a whole over the last, you know, couple years has like evolved has like devolved into like a conversation about his maturity or something like that. Like, I don't really give a shit if he's playing Pokemon on the bench, if he's out there balling out like that. And that's not that's not even remotely the case. You know what I mean? It's just it's why why is this narrative keep getting pushed? You know, by everybody. I mean, I get it. I'm not even. I'm not saying they're wrong. I'm just saying I just didn't see the point in the pushing of the narrative. Like, if someone's asking, "Well, like, why isn't he a captain?" Then I get. Then you can understand where that's coming from. Not every great player on your team, on every team, is is a is captain material. Although you want your captains to be, preferably your your better players. It just it. it the more and more I th- think about it, is like. What did that do? I mean, wh- how much sense did that make to like keep hammering that home? I don't know. I think Chase Claypool is a friggin' boss. I love that Brendan did a couple of photoshops with him this week. Like they're like some of my favorite picks to look at. <laughs> uh, and I am just like, I- I'm, like, damn, like this is it. We get three more games uh, and the Maple Bandit is no more.
1: I agree and I and I encourage Notre Dame fans if they're not already doing so to just enjoy what we have left instead of begrudging the fact that the season's almost over or that the 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 quality of the competition that we're about to play isn't isn't great um you know just and look forward to, look forward to things and look forward to watching Chase Claypool play for three more games because He's going to be playing on Sundays and, and, you know, and, and I don't watch NFL, but I imagine a, a bunch of people do. And, um, you know, it'll be, it'll be fun to track his career. And I, I think he's just one of those guys that he could really, uh, he could really, yeah, I mean, it's, I don't know. It's kind of like a miles Boykin. He could uh, more than a miles Boykin. He could uh, really make a difference for an NFL team on Sundays.
0: Like, could you imagine Boykin on this team, which it could have been <laughs> So Let's uh let's kind of steer the ship in a in a different uh, direction a little bit. Brad, let me ask you, you know, this was a, a ranked Navy team. Uh they are no longer ranked because that's what happens when Notre Dame beats uh beats teams. They're no longer ranked. Yes indeed. <laughs> um, but you know, it was it wasn't just a I mean, they didn't just win. This wasn't a seven, eight, nine point win. I mean, they beat the dog crap out of them. And I mean, I, I get that it's Navy and trust me, y'all heard me talk last week. It's Navy, but it's still a ranked team that they just dismantled. And there was, there was basically nothing on, on this game. You know, I'm not expecting anybody to like, you know, throw out the red carpet and like throw heaps and of praise and laurels on their heads you know, or any of that, but you know, just a little bit something more than just like, you know, the, like a quick, you know, quick blurb about, oh, they, uh, the number 16, 15 team beat the number 23 team, uh, 52 to 20, blah, 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 and then move on. And then obviously we saw, like, there, look, I, I put out a tweet the other night or last night, like, Notre Dame, the playoff committee does not think Notre Dame is a good team. They just don't. Like, there's nothing Notre Dame can do about that. If they beat, if they beat beat, they beat Boston college by 30 points, they beat Stanford by 30 points. It does not make one iota of a difference. They are a maybe 13 would be the top. I don't care what happens in front of them. I mean, I think that playoff committee is like convinced that this is where they belong at. I mean, you just, how do you just sit there for three weeks and and you're blowing teams out now? So, I mean, it, Brad, do you feel the same way? Do you think that they're just like, they're definitely stuck in the muck here, and we're just gonna have to take our our camping world lump. I mean, yeah, you know, probably. And, well, one more thing before I before I pass the mic to you on this, it should be noted that uh, Stuart Mandel, probably to his uh, probably regret to a little bit of regret, had put out a tweet with a story about. How uh, you know one loss should not make a season for any team, and yet Notre Dame's really taken a beating for their one loss, or for for one of their losses. Like their loss to Georgia, you know, was like a tie basically, but the one loss to Michigan like seems to like matter more to everybody else. But everybody else's losses, yeah, no big deal. Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right.
2: I think they're still being punished for the loss at Michigan. And I'll tell you what actually makes me more angrier than not moving up after blowing out Navy. I mean, like you said, that was a 40-point game at halftime over a ranked team, which is sort of ridiculous. But now, like, it seems to me that people still consider the Virginia Tech win a good win, even though Virginia Tech's ranked in the top 25. They're number 25 this week. Not in the playoff rankings, though. Well, but in the AP top 25, they're a ranked team. And so they're not terrible, but... Only winning by one with a comeback uh, drive at the end of the game is bad somehow over a good
0: team. That's what bugs me. And Virginia Tech has—I mean, go look at what they've done this season. They've—they've kind of like put their feet. I mean, mean, we know the ACC is horrible, right? Right. But but they've been blowing teams out too, though.
2: Yeah. Like I don't know. At some point, there's just a level of this that you can't look at what other teams are doing against any other teams because these teams never touch these other teams. And it just becomes so widespread that you just kind of have to accept the fact that unless you're in a certain conference or beat a certain team, you're not getting any credit. And Notre Dame had the benefit of losing close to Georgia, like you said, the tie, and that gave them a lot of credit because it was an SEC team. And then they lost big to Michigan, who also lost big to uh, Wisconsin and barely beat Army. And, it's not, and now it's like, well, hmm. Yeah, now we don't believe in them anymore. It doesn't matter what they
3: do from here on out. And I mean, it's maddening, but I i, I don't know.
0: Jude, you got you got some thoughts on this?
1: I mean, just, you know, look, the, Notre Dame made their bed on this. If they'd lost to Michigan close, maybe this is a different conversation, but they absolutely just failed to show up. And I, I think that, I think the one thing that I've learned about college football writers is uh, with the exception of, you know, the blowhards like uh, Colin Coward or uh, Stephen A. Smith or something, Paul Feinbaum or somebody like that.
0: Don't uh, no, Stephen A. Smith into college football writer. Oh, He's I a know. college football drive-by scoreboard watcher.
1: Okay, sure. But, um, you could probably but say I know that. what you're saying. Coward, too. <laughs> but, um, you know, they don't like to get too far ahead of their skis. And, and Notre Dame has the chance. If you go to bat for Notre Dame, Notre Dame has the chance to embarrass you. You know, anybody who was, you know, banging the drum saying, you know, Notre Dame only lost to Georgia and it was a close game and it was on the road and blah, 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 before that Michigan game, boy, got really got pants and probably had their mentions f- filled with people, right? And so that plus the the fact that the ACC has been downright terrible this year. And I, and I really found Dennis Dodd's article pretty interesting, um, you know, sort of allowing himself to speculate that maybe the Orange Bowl... Oh, wait, uh, oh, oh, wait,
0: wait, hold on, hold on. We're we're, we're going to get to that. Okay. We're going to so, get to, we're going to get to bowls in a minute. So hold on right. to that
1: thought, Jude, because I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. I, you know, I think I look, look, there's, there's, there's people that don't want to give Notre Dame credit a, in any year. So you start with that and then you add the layers of the two losses. So they, they're feeling justified. And then you look at the teams that they beat and you know, it's not exactly a murder's row. There's, you know, the two good teams that they played, they lost to. So I I get it. I get it. And um, I'm just I'm just bummed because I I really, really wanted to go to wanted to go to the Cotton Bowl. And I know we're going to talk about bowls in a second. But, uh, you know, it just it doesn't look like it's it's, going to be there.
0: Well, I think probably one of the. What's ridiculously frustrating and and it's actually it's pretty complex is take a look at all the teams ahead of Notre Dame, you know, in the rankings. and you, you really can st- you start picking apart each team. It's like who has each team played? <clears throat> and really, there's a whole lot like Clemson will go the entire season most likely and not have played any team ranked in the top twenty five. I am not sitting here and telling you that Clemson is, isn't good enough to be in the in the college football playoff or anything of that nature, really. But at the same time, I am telling you, that's kind of bullshit. (laughs) You know, that's basically, you know, that's basically telling Boise state all the shit they did earlier, you know, earlier in the decade, you know, they got screwed on. I mean, they know they got screwed on, but they totally got screwed on.
1: It's not supposed to matter won the national championship last year. So it matters greatly. And they're, and they're just absolutely annihilating teams this year
0: because they were, because they were involved in the process. I, you know, I get that. And they, they didn't annihilate North Carolina. But what I'm saying is it's still nothing. I mean, whether they're annihilating them or not, you look about who they're annihilating and it's unranked team after unranked team after unranked team, unranked team. And again, let me just say, I do believe Clemson is a very, very good football team, incredibly talented, and I don't really have a problem with them going to the playoff. But I do find like, if you want to pick apart teams You could start picking apart all, you know, almost all of them. Uh, You know, it's, you know, you just start, you go back, look at the schedules. You know, that's, I really started diving in deep when I, when I saw that last week about Navy not having to play the power five team yet. And I really started like diving into these other teams a little bit. It's like, who the fuck has anybody played like this? Like, and I had had this feeling for most of the season, like this is a pretty boring ass season. Like, this is a pretty, this is not a good football season. It's just not. There's, there hasn't been enough good matchups. And if they want to say that, you know, like, like this weekend coming up, right? What is it? Oh, it's it's, it's Southern Conference weekend in the SEC. You know, like, pfft. I mean, there's there's just nothing going on. And it, it's been that way. It's been a bad year.
1: Uh, we got a lot of good games left, though. We got, a, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm personally excited. I, I think this, this is with the last two weeks of the season and the conference championships. Um. You know, the, I, somebody laid it out on our site today in the comments section about teams that would have to lose. And, and it gets no, a lot, a lot of, very complicated, you know, in, in terms No, of- I get,
0: I get all that, but I'm saying as a whole, <clears throat> like just look what game day has done. And, and you could see how this, you know, when well, they went to, you know, they, they went to, uh, what's in North Dakota? Like early, they, they've done some some odd shit already this year, like twice. I mean, it, and you know, besides all that, they're just what? Where's been the hype? Where's been the big hype games? Like LSU, Bama, totally legit, great college football game. Everything about it was
1: was LSU-Texas awesome. Was a great game. It Was early in the season. Oregon, Auburn would turn out to be a great game by two yeah, great. There's teams.
0: a. I'm just saying, this season feels. Lacking. Very good
1: teams, I
0: guess. This this season feels lacking compared to other years. I mean, maybe because we haven't seen a like a pit upset. You know, I don't know. Like 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 the bit like the I don't know like the like a hardcore upset hasn't happened. There's been some close calls. I don't know, man. It just this season to me, I I've I, I've just found that it has not been as as
1: uh, awe inspiring as Oklahoma every- – uh, Oklahoma Baylor last Saturday was amazing.
0: Yep, it was good. I am mean, Jude, yes, there. I'm not saying every single college football game has been bad this year. <laughs> there has been some good games. I'm just saying, in the overall scope of the season, from start A to to now, has felt a little lackluster. And maybe that's because of the extended. I mean, it's extended by a week, anyways, just because of the calendar. So, like, everyone has that extra bye week. So maybe that has something to do with it. You know what I mean? Where it's a little more drawn out. I don't know. I'm just saying. To me, it, it has felt a little, little, little less than um, than it normally does. Like, like I, I think most seasons, the, with few exceptions, most seasons are about the same. You, you get the same kind of, of upsets. You get, you know, s- some big matchups. They all feel, this one just seems a little less than. Um, 2007 was a season which is funny for Notre Dame because it was an awful season for us. Totally insane season. Like if Notre Dame was like a, which they added to the insanity of 2007, but even if they didn't, 2007 still would have been crazy as shit. South Florida was ranked number two. I mean, <laughs> Boston College was ranked number two that year. It was a crazy year. Um, and I'm not saying that has to be that way every year. I'm just saying like, as from the last 30 years, I look at college football. This year just has felt a little, a little bit less than And then I start, you start looking at the the teams ranked ahead of Notre Dame right now, and you look at their schedules and who they played, and it's like, yeah, it's, yeah. (laughs) Uh, You know, but yes, there has been some, some, there has been some good matchups, some great games uh, played this season. I just saying this year has been, I'm not going to hype it up and say it's been a great season because it really, it,
1: it hasn't. Just I think that's it's it's November 20th. You I I I think you're you're being unfair to the season by pronouncing that it's now ten when, like twelve when, twelve weeks in? When, yeah, because you literally still have Ohio State, Michigan. You have conference championship. Ohio you State's have, gonna Tampa Ohio State's gonna off. the shit out of Michigan. What's that?
0: Ohio State's gonna beat Michigan by like 40 points.
1: Okay. I disagree, so, but that's fine.
0: So I mean I mean, maybe, maybe Auburn, I mean, and even then, Auburn, Alabama, too, is out.
1: Yeah. I, Ohio State, Penn State this weekend, right?
0: I'm not saying this is a terrible season. I'm just saying this is not up to a normal level. This is not a when, good season.
1: When LSU plays Ohio State in the playoffs or whatever the matchup is going to be, like that. Yeah, yeah be- but you're not, but you're
0: looking, like a, like a, you're looking at it like, you're looking at it like just on that la- last end result where I base college football seasons from week one all the way through. And from, now, from week one all the way to now, it has been lacking from what I believe we normally see and feel.
1: I mean, we disagree. Let's see what Brad says.
0: Well, you know, I'm not saying I haven't
1: been in class for most
2: of these games and missed them. <laughs> but uh, the highlights, you know, they do a good job. I thought Jude, you mentioned the Texas LSU game earlier, which was pretty exciting. Um, Texas didn't turn out to do a whole lot, but
0: you know, Texas once for for a decade now, Texas will have at least four losses every year. Texas is not back; never will be back. Sure, okay. Hordes down. I don't disagree. Hordes down. But I I mean, I've
2: heard about enough good games, and, and I've watched some highlights, and I mean, I honestly it. I, I even missed the Notre Dame game this year, so I'm not one to speak on this. But I feel like the yeah, games that should, I've watched, that
0: happens. Yeah,
2: I watched—yeah, know, I know—I slept through the game. I had class the day before. I mean, oh, I that's had, right. Yeah, <laughs> I, had, I had final exams during half of these games. Like, so, so like, what I've seen has been just fine. I don't think like I was fully invested in '07, and I think the chaos that took place in '07 was a was an outlier. It was
0: an a novel. Oh, yeah, um, no, yeah. I'm not going to compare this season to 07. Right. 07 was, fucking, was craziness right. on fucking steroids jacked up on meth. And that was insane. And I don't think we could go through that probably once every 20 years, maybe. And yeah. I'm not just talking about as a Notre Dame. I'm talking about just as a college football fan. 07 was just insane. Right. My, but All I'm saying with this is, and, and again, I have to reiterate, I am not saying there hasn't been good matchups and great games. It just seems less than what we have had in the past. I just, I don't know. Because when I look back at, like, think about 2012.
2: Like, we were looking at Stanford-Notre Dame. A great game on a Saturday night got overshadowed by Alabama-LSU. Alabama-LSU just had a great game. And there were there was Oklahoma-Baylor that same day. Like, okay. it, it, I think recency bias, like, the the opposite of recency bias is happening a little bit.
1: And I think we' we'll look, look at, at the, there, I, I think
2: we'll look back at the season, and I think we'll say there's still some good matchups. This just
0: wasn't there have not enough. been top 25 matchups? Like no, no, no no no. Wait, I, wait. I, like we, we definitely need to somebody somebody out there will, it won't be me. <laughs> I'm going off a gut feeling on this one, but somebody needs to look at like the total number of top 25 matchups throughout the year and go through and go back through like the last five seasons. And see where it compares. I am, let me, let I, am me say I am hypothesizing that it is a significant, a significantly less than what it has been in the past. Okay. I could, I could very well be wrong. I mean, maybe there's just, maybe it's just me. But that, that, that's all I'm saying. I, I is that it just seems less. It has seemed less exciting this year, and more. I don't want to say drudgery because that's 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 a that's a, that's a bad. That's really negative connotation. I'm not trying to throw a negative connotation on saying it's just it hasn't been as fulfilling as as other years. Let me say take out Notre Dame out of the out of the equation, is what you know, and and I can say that. No, no, we gotta add another team into the equation.
2: Let me tell you that this year has been very, very satisfactory because the Eastern Michigan's bowl eligible once again? No, because the Miami University (laughs) Red Hawks won the Mac East. All right, so let's talk about that for a minute.
0: What's the score of that game right now? Oh
2: hell, I don't
0: know. <laughs> <laughs> I've been on this podcast for 52 minutes. Yeah, right I say now. Eastern Michigan just put an ass put on Northern Illinois bowl eligible. Yeah. So yeah, so yeah, yeah. I take back everything I said. Uh, it's a great <laughs> season. It's been exciting. It's a great season. Eastern Michigan's going to go bowling again, most likely. Because the ACC can't fill their fucking bowl slots. God knows. Yep. So let's jump into God. That's a great segue. Let's <laughs> jump into the bowl situation. I put up a, a, a kind of a, a utility post last night about what is the camping world bowl? Because basically every, almost every single projection has Notre Dame playing in the camping world bowl. Um, their opponent, however, has been different, you know, most of them are saying Oklahoma state. There's been some of the Iowa state Baylor. It's kind of a grab bag mix for out of the big 12. So I just kind of gave an explainer about the camping world bowl. Yes. Notre Dame has played in it. It was when the Russell athletic bowl, Tommy Reese, Florida state, 1815 horrible game.
1: Um, that game is unwatchable. Just is a sidebar. Is yeah. that, I had to rewatch it for a story I did about, um, Turnovers or so, the worst turnovers or whatever. That game is just so frustrating that they, they, F- Florida State was not the better team that day. But that, anyways, that's, oh, that, was,
0: that, that was horrific that they lost that game. There's oh. no way that no, they lost that game. Yeah.
2: And I watched that game from the shittiest apartment I lived in in Chicago like 10 years ago. And my God, it was uncomfortable. Did you say shittiest or shadiest?
0: Shittiest, probably shadiest as well. <laughs> so, yeah. So, it br- it br- the Camping World Bowl conversation brings up a lot of conversation. And earlier in the year, I had been under the assumption that Notre Dame's ACC Bowl package did include the Orange Bowl and that Notre Dame would just have to. I've, and I've operated under this assumption since they've, they've made this agreement. I believe that it was the same as the other Bowls, where if Notre Dame was at least within one game of the ACC, and I think we even talked about this in the podcast. You know, preseason, maybe, because I was, I thought it was crazy that Virginia was picked to go to the Orange Bowl by McMurphy, and this is, like, preseason, and Notre Dame to the Camping World Bowl. I'm like, what the fuck? But anyway, but that, is, that was, that's wrong, uh, and, you know, Notre Dame takes the the Big Ten and SEC slot if Notre Dame is ranked ahead of those opponents. That's the orange. Cotton is an at-large thing, and as Pete Sampson keeps saying over and over again, this is just a really bad matchup year if you're in Notre Dame when it comes to bowls, because of the way the bull rotation in the playoffs, um, you know, have worked your, some of your automatic teams, you know, it, it just doesn't line up well for Notre Dame. Um, so having said that Dennis Dodd publishes a piece. I think it was last, it was, so it was Tuesday night, evening. Ed, there was kind of an out. And I had j- literally just shut someone down on Twitter. Like a, with a firm, absolute no, Notre Dame is not going to the Orange Bowl. And he's like, Well, what about these rumors of a loophole? I'm like, there are no fucking loopholes.
1: Uh, uh was emphatic on the Shamrock podcast on Monday. Like, if they end up going to the Orange Bowl, like somebody's gonna pull out that clip because he was definitely saying there's yeah, no way. Yeah,
0: he's been and he's been that way for quite a while. And <laughs> I have fallen in line with that because I've been basing it off of off of what the what the orange bowl told me when I asked them,
3: but <coughs> excuse me, that may
0: not be the case. Can we, there may agree? not be an ACC team if Clemson wins out and goes to the playoff. Like I think we all expect them to do their name. There may not be a ranked ACC team in the top 25, which I wouldn't think that would matter contractually. Right. But apparently according to the orange bowl in this article, eh, maybe they might look around then. And they said they would go to their bowl partners, which actually includes Notre Dame. So they would go to the SEC, Big Ten, ACC, and Notre Dame and consult with them about what they should do if there's no ACC team right to the top 25. I think I know what the ACC and Notre Dame is going to say about the matter. I don't know what the Big Ten and SEC would say exactly. Probably that they, they should, I mean, There's a project. There's a projection for Miami for the fucking hurricanes at six and four right now. This is to be,
1: this is a a bad deal for Notre Dame. This is, this is a horrible deal. Exactly. Very, very bad deal for Notre Dame. First of all, if for some reason, the orange ball got the ACC to agree to send Notre Dame instead of seven and four Virginia or eight and four. It's a PR nightmare. It's first of all, Like you just let them, but they
0: beat, but they beat both those Virginias. What's that? But they beat both those Virginias
1: though. Look, I understand. But is it, is it, you, are you going to, are you going to take care of your member institutions or are you going to take care of the guy who doesn't want to be a full member? And so, and and the the guy, the the guy at the Orange
0: Bowl said he don't, he's not thinking that way.
1: I understand, but the ACC certainly thinks. Oh, oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. Right. So the other thing is, if for some reason ACC lost his mind and was like, Yep, sure, go ahead, Notre Dame. Let's, you know, be our ACC representative. And then Notre Dame got rolled by 30 by Alabama. Oh, my yeah, God. We would Yeah, because let,
0: let's be careful that. about what we're, what, what we're wishing for here in Notre Dame. Is that? There's a very strong chance that the. Representative from the Big Ten Notre Dame SEC portion will be Alabama. If you know, if Alabama is not within that the, the, the group of four that goes to the playoff, they will be the highest ranked team of that group and will go to the Orange Bowl. So, like one projection right now actually has the Miami Hurricanes facing Alabama, which I couldn't think of a <laughs> Miami can't fill up its stadium. They're gonna be in Miami. I guarantee you, Alabama. That, you listen, Alabama, Alabama, in a disappointing year because they're number five. Their fans ain't gonna give a shit after this. After the run they've had, they ain't gonna give a shit. Miami just doesn't give a shit because they've. I mean, they're they're looking at it like they're they know they're gonna get killed. It's gonna be a half-empty stadium, and Bama's gonna beat them by like forty. If Saban, I'm sure Saban will roll that Utah Alabama Sugar Bowl footage.
1: You remember 2000, maybe 11? Uh, Northern Illinois got in the BCS, and Herb Street went like nuts. I think it was against Florida State. They yeah, don't yeah. Deserve to be here, and then they got their butts handed to them, if I recall yeah. correctly. And yeah, the, the
0: bowls themselves have. Look, this brings up a, a a bigger question and a broader picture the bulls themselves have a massive issue right now. And it has to do with the playoffs. Like I don't believe the bulls are going to be able to exist in the same way. And I'm talking about the major bulls, like the fucking Belk bowl, music city bowl. They're fine. They'll operate normally, but these bigger bulls, I think they're finding now with like in this like in this particular rotation, they're gonna they've had issues already, like in the past, with bad bowl games, bad big name bowl games, and that are just bad games. So they might have to figure out like we need to drop all this pretentious bullshit of the Big Ten and the Rose Bowl. I mean, like the tradition part of it all now that you have the playoffs look that pro that part of it all probably does need to get thrown out of the fucking window and if you got six bowls you just need to go straight up your top 12 teams according to the college football playoff rankings and fill them in that's the only way that you're going to get matchups worth the shit anymore now you can like move them around a little bit to make adjustments but the way that it is now and they still have like your conference tie-ins and all that plus the playoff it is killing these games. These are bad games. These are not good bowl games. Like your middle tier bowl games are like infinitely better right now than this shit.
1: There's no part of me that thinks the Orange Bowl selection committee wants Alabama versus Miami at the end of the day. I
0: don't think so either. I mean for the reasons I gave you, I've, they're not stupid. I mean, they drink a lot of gin and wear really loud jackets, but they're not stupid. I mean, they know exactly what would happen. I mean, here's the thing. So basically, it's like whoever doesn't win the Coastal has a great chance. Like Miami cannot win the Coastal. So they have a great chance of going to the Orange Bowl in in this theory because they won't have to lose again to Clemson. That's how stupid this is. So, I mean, <laughs> so, you know, Vir- Virginia or Virginia Tech could do everybody a favor as far as like not really Notre Dame fans, but more for like college football fans in general by, you know, one of the, one of them showing up to the ACC championship game and you're like pulling a stunner out and beating Clemson because there's no way Clemson loses that game and is in the playoffs. There's just no fucking way like they, they will. They'll drop down to like eighth,
3: maybe ninth. So.
0: So, yeah, and really I'll be honest with you, I think Notre Dame probably has a better ch- in this whole scope. If we're if we're, if we're buying this theory that, that Dodd kind of put out there, I think Notre Dame actually has a better chance of making the Orange Bowl right now than the Cotton Bowl. Just because they're not going up anywhere,
1: I just oh my god, the nonsense that we that we as Notre Dame fans and writers hear about um, Notre Dame being selected for bowls they have no business being in. Oh, this would be that times a hundred, you know, against Bama, against Bama.
0: Now, and you know, it, I want to say it's a no win situation.
1: It's the Orange <laughs> Bowl too, right? And so it's going to be down. Yeah, in- oh yeah, it's it's it's, die, it's nightmare city.
0: Yeah, it's nightmare fucking central, man. Can you exercise the demon?
1: I don't know. Can you? Oh, thank you. I don't know. <laughs> it's uh yeah. It's it be, a. I it will said, be. I will be somewhere else that night, and I will be not watching that game. That that sounds. Uh, I, I watched that Death Bucket once. It, it wasn't that was plenty for a lifetime.
0: Oh, we've, we've seen that seen more than Death once. Bucket in. In Miami, uh, are you
1: talking about? That's exactly right. I've seen, I've seen, I've literally watched that movie. i I'm, I'm, I was zero stars out of five. I've, I've rated it and I've moved on.
0: I doused my computer and TV with gasoline and set those bitches on fire and shot them to the moon. And I doused myself with whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No shit. At least, at least the, uh, the Bama beat down was like quick. Like, instantaneous like you knew like you knew right away this was gonna be bad and you you were able to like ease on into it
1: this is a personal story but my my oldest son was about two months old when that game happened and for whatever reason that was the night he became inconsolable crying and nothing i could do to help him so were
0: you two in a dark room rocking and crying together
1: i was away from the television um for the first i don't know 10 minutes of that game and i and when i came back i was like it was like somebody had trashed my house. I was like, "What the fuck happened here?" I <laughs> invited two friends over. I had to like, I had to ignore them to take care of him, and and then I, I, I was, I was trying to eyeball the game, but it was, it, like the light was bothering Grady, and I just, I, I'm so glad I didn't. See, I, I to this day, I've, I've seen the clip of Eddie Lacey steamrolling everybody, including Manziel, but I don't, I don't care to actually watch the, uh, the first, uh, you know, foot
0: the- in chest.
1: Three dreams.
0: Did, uh, did you, uh Did
2: you get any like EVP readings of the demon of Nick Saban in your house that night or anything?
1: <laughs> oh man, I just there was something going on. I, my son knew way before I did, and I, I'm I, I'm forever grateful he took yeah. me away from that. I just have
0: this image of of you and you in your son's room in the rocking chair rocking. And you're just both crying so hard because fucking Nick Saban. And
1: in the corner, I, I knew it. And the corner all of a sudden, I hear this like possessed, possessed sounding voice. Affleck can save you. All right.
0: <laughs> I have a highlight reel. A highlight Damn, reel. you look good paying bills, Jude.
2: Eddie Lacy up the middle.
0: <laughs> Touchdown, Bama! Oh God!
1: All right, uh, let's play. Let's play Matt Campbell pants him in the Camping World Bowl and just... Yeah, you know,
0: that would definitely do you um, a favor, wouldn't it? I think our 11 wins. That would you use some spots. <laughs>
1: yeah, I, I have, yeah, I people,
0: have, people were I cool with Camping of World Bowl the, for a minute people. when they thought it was going to be Texas.
1: Look, as, as upset as you were about my position on Navy last week is as upset as I am about Pete Sampson and Matt Fortuna literally, like, slobbering all over Matt Campbell. I do not get it. I literally do not get it. I don't understand why people love this guy so much. Don't I? I don't get it. And if you think that Matt Campbell is the, the number one person you'd like to have replace Brian Kelly, first of all, Matt Campbell ain't going to be at Iowa State by the time Brian Kelly leaves. So it's a moot point, but uh, it'll be somewhere else. But I got I'm a name to. for you.
0: Chris Creighton. Who else <laughs> can actually. take Eastern Michigan to three bowl games? Oh, Chris I, I, Creighton. He's, so. uh, he's on my list in my desk drawer.
1: So, in, in, in honor of the solid verbal, I will say this about Matt Campbell, and I always say this. What was your favorite Matt Campbell win over Iowa? <laughs> what, was your, what was your favorite Matt Campbell win over an FCS team that didn't that, <laughs> that result in regulation?
0: No, I'm actually, it dude, would, it would probably maybe it's going to shock you to, to find that I actually agree with you quite a bit on your Campbell take.
3: Yeah,
2: same, because we had to deal with this as Cleveland Browns fans a couple of years ago when they wanted Matt Campbell.
0: And everybody was like, what? You who? Who now? What? <laughs> it goes, I mean, it goes a little what bit hand in hand with, with my theory about P.J. Fleck. And it's like people like fawning over P.J. Fleck. I'm like, all right, what has P.J. Fleck done so far that Brian Kelly didn't do before he got to Notre Dame? Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, but flat out, what, is it, what has he done? So- I You know, I, I don't know. I don't know who the next coach in Notre Dame is going to be. I, and, and honest to God, I don't care right now. Notre Dame, if they went out, they're averaging 33 or excuse me, they're averaging 11 wins a season over the last three years. I'm in no fucking hurry to push Brian Kelly out of the door. And I, I'm I am perfectly happy to have Kelly. And, you know, let's give Lee a little bit of extra money. I don't really know if I'm that feelies about Chip Long. But, but you,
1: What did you think about Greg? You know
0: what? As dysfunctional as this, as this offense has seemed this year, Notre Dame still is in a good – fuck, I can't believe this. They're in still great position to be the highest-scoring Notre Dame team of all time.
1: Unbelievable. Really?
0: Yeah. Wow. I, I think the record's like 34 points a game or some shit like that.
1: That's it? Really? And That's we're fun. at 36 – yeah. And we're at 36 That's points a game. Lockie and Leahy's group's never put up that much? When they're beating like Haskell and Drake. No,
0: because they they have wins like 17 10 or like 9 0. Yeah, or like you know, eight eight to two. No, I, I think the record, and I could be wrong, but I believe the record is right around 34 points a game. And Notre Dame right now is at 36 points a game. So as dysfunctional as this offense has seemed, it still has a chance to be the highest scoring offense in Notre Dame football. History.
1: I just wish they uh, uh, distributed the points a little bit more in a, a different fashion. I would have taken twenty. I mean, They got
0: three 52 point games this year.
1: I would have taken twenty-one fewer from uh, yeah. New Mexico, Bowling Green, or Navy, and given them to uh, Michigan. Yeah, right. I like I, I like to deal that out Vegas style for sure.
0: Can Can I throw a name out? Yeah, I'm not even sure how we got here, but sure. I'm just kidding. I would never
2: suggest. <laughs> I would never suggest Chuck Martin for head coach of Notre Dame. <laughs> We've been wanting to fire him at Miami for <laughs> three years.
1: Did you uh what did you think about Greg, our friend Greg's uh kind of I think half jokey, half serious take on uh, making Clark Lee a coach in waiting, uh you know, and, and having developing a succession plan that way.
0: Yeah, I mean, their succession plans great and all, except for when that guy has to wait longer than he wants to, and then bolts <laughs>
1: anyway. Well, obviously, if you name him and waiting, he's 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 a, he's agreed to wait that long.
0: Yeah, most guys that you, I mean, I, I won't say most guys. I think I think the problem you get with publicly when you name a a guy coaching waiting is, I mean, there's many problems. Number one, he becomes a huge target to every team out there on the market looking for a head coach, and number two, uh. You got a guy who just depends on their patient level. Like, you know, Clark Lee is a a different kind of guy, but, you know, like a Will Muschamp who was a coach in waiting. He wasn't waiting around. Uh, So there's, there springs a lot of problems. You think you have a problem solved, right? Like your line of succession. Uh, But that just, a lot of times that just causes more problems and gives that program a false sense of security um, because there is no security in these matters.
1: I just I, I don't think Notre Dame's interested in, in picking no, the I, coordinator. I, and and the program will be in such good shape that they'll they can be picky about who they choose next. So yeah, and I, 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 I love Clark Lee, but he let, let him go get some experience after Derek Mason gets fired in twenty twenty. And uh, you know, Coach I mean Mason- this
0: all boils down to Tommy Reese taking over at some so. <laughs> it's all I mean I mean, touchdown Reese's – to
1: <laughs> oh god. He's is saves.
0: Yeah. Look, we we have an actual football game coming up, um, so we need to take a few minutes just to talk about that um, before we wrap this whole thing up.
1: Boston College.
0: Then? What's that?
1: Should we take a commercial break then? I don't know. Should we? All
0: right. All right. Yeah. Yeah. We might as well. Fuck it. Let's. I. I should probably start playing by the rules. Yep. Uh, we're gonna take a commercial break. Be
3: right back. And we are back.
0: Fantastic. Okay. <laughs> a commercial break with about maybe 50 show.
1: Thanks, um, Ryan and Spencer. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Thanks, man of society. Um, <laughs> for, for sponsoring me. Okay, so Boston College coming to town. Boston College is not a good football team. Boston College has some issues, uh, especially defensively. This is not like the Boston College that we're used to that has like a, a stingy, tough de- defense. And anemic offense. It's a it's a little bit of the inverse. Um, although I wouldn't not call their offense.
1: Their quarterback's currently completing yeah. less than fifty percent of his passes. I would say that's anemic.
0: Yes, I'm, I'm not. I'm not saying that. I they do have a great running back though, and AJ Dillon. And I yes, I am not overstating the fact. I'm not overstating the word great. Uh, he is a great one. He just happens to be on a really shitty team. Um, Notre Dame is a like eighteen point favorite. Uh, I believe, or 17 and a half or something. It's basically in the same ballpark as Virginia Tech. Um, And we saw how that went down. But this is, I believe this is a much different team. There has been a a change, an evolution, a turning of the corner, a uh, a fucking whatever you want to call it Um, since the Michigan game. I I fully believe this is a much different team. Um, So I, I think the 18 point or whatever Range it is around there, you know, is warranted in this case. Um, dude, you got any like hardcore serious thoughts about this game?
1: I have no hardcore serious thoughts about this game. Here's what I'm looking forward to: I'm looking forward <laughs> to seeing how the how, co- how closely the pants. Uh, yeah, match. I
0: I knew pants would be the first thing out of your mouth.
1: And I also am looking forward to the alternate broadcast of of uh, Ryan Harris, Paul Burmeister, and Jessica Smetana uh in the studio, apparently, Jessica's going to be in the studio uh, on the NBC sN, and I encourage every single person who's listening to this to tune into n b NBC sN and take the thirty second delay of the game so you don't have to listen to Doug flutie talk about the thirty fifth anniversary of the greatest day of his life and like stupid reenactments or whatever the hell they've got planned for the NBC regular broadcast. you I think, know what I'm doing, Jude. I think the ultimate broadcast will be much better. What's
0: up I'm watching I'm watching Flutie. I'm watching that. I'm recording, and be <laughs> record the one that everyone else is going to listen to because I'm going to have to bear witness. Somebody has to do it, and it's going to be me. I'm going to do it. I'm going to take what the team. But team. I, I am extremely curious and hopeful about the other broadcast, and so I'm going to record it. I don't know how that counts in Nielsen, so I'm, I'm not tuning you out. Fellas and Jess, uh, but uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick. I'm gonna have to. I gotta watch. I gotta watch to see what happens with Flutie because I have. I decided I was not going up a couple days ago. I decided I wasn't going up to this game, <laughs> so I will be sticking it out uh back here in Ohio to watch it.
1: How will you drink victory beers at pole three if you're not at the game? Uh In spirit, in spirit, Is there like Facetime or how does that work?
0: Um, I think they do, listen. The guys out of pull three shout out to you guys they I think they know me fairly well uh and in fact they they basically have you know like the cooler ready for me <laughs> so that I'm well lubricated uh for the game and uh they they know what's going on and they know that if I have nowhere i'm where I'm gonna be at for three or four hours without booze, that I'll be well.
1: Well, there, was there uh, any truth to the rumor that Irish tightness showed up at the Navy game? And was he also sporting Navy gear at the Navy game?
0: He texted me about two or three times that week, asking me if I was. And I kept telling him eh, eh, and then no. And I so I knew that he was going to go because he wasn't going to ask me if I was going if he wasn't going. But he never really said that he was. And then then there was like a cryptic text about it. And then uh then also the guys at pull three were were like, Hey, is West coming up here? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I think he is. And yes, he did. He definitely went to the game.
1: Is he wearing his uh, Ken Nia model? Auto, uh, I don't
0: know. I, I told, I told, uh, I told I asked, I told Mark, I said, it's 50, 50, you know, odds, <laughs> you know, if, if West shows up in, in and Na- West shows up in Navy gear. Uh, so
3: <laughs>
0: but yeah, no, he made it up. He made it up. So good for him. I mean, how can you go wrong with like ten dollar tickets?
1: Oh, I know, and you could have gotten tickets for a song, I'm sure, and probably this week as well. So, and my
0: my dad and his uh, and his cousin, which, they're they're short, they're short little Italian guys, right? Huh? Except, and they they're like identical twins, cousins. Except my old man has no hair, completely completely gone, and <laughs> his cousin, the thickest mop you ever fucking seen. So. <laughs> <laughs> like and like a half mullet uh so it's it's a it's a weird thing it's like is he wearing a wig and they're just like going back and forth with it
1: i don't know. like when uh Gru finds his long lost brother in despicable me three or
0: yes 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 exactly yes that's exactly how it is if you were in section three or around that and you thought that was going on yep that was uh that was my old man and and uh and his cousin
1: a certain segment of our of our listenership that just went ah, and the other one was like I, I have no idea what these talking. The about. What are, what are these guys talking about? But Let, let's talk, let's talk about something else.
0: Brad, what what do you? Let's, let's you got any thoughts about Boston College? This is this is hard. You know I don't. <laughs> But but just not solid. That is just great podcast. Are we
1: afraid of the fact that it's senior day and it's Boston College? Is that is that like does the ghost of Glenn Foley? uh, Glenn Foley's not dead, so
0: Glenn Foley, (laughs) who was also listen, listen to me, guys. I don't know if you read my Camping World Bowl article, but it is haunting when you look at it. Why? Because where did that Boston College team from 1993 end up in? The Carquest Bowl on oh, January first, nineteen ninety-four. The Carquest Bowl is known today as the Camping World Bowl. Boy. Same bowl game. MVP Glen Foley. Ranked oh, number fifteen. Yes. it just there's a. it is haunting right now. What I what I just like did like I don't want to say research because that would really overstate what I do. <laughs> when I Google searched camping world bowl last night, <laughs> uh, I was, I became fixated on some of these games and that was one of them for sure. This is the game that that Boston college team, David Gordon, that bastard where they ended up at was the camping world bowl pre, which was the Carquest bowl, which used to be the blockbuster bowl, which has been also the micron PC bowl. That's where they ended up at at rank number fifteen, and they like they fucking crushed Virginia, like ah, like thirty one ten or some shit like. That. Just food for thought, guys. We talk That's about our favorite eagle? eagle. That's a good story. Your favorite eagle, your favorite eagle should be swoop up in Ypsilanti. What are you talking about, you bastard? Swoop Redhawk?
1: I'm thinking. I'm What's thinking. That? Joe. I'm thinking Joe Walsh, but I don't know what you guys are thinking. So I was just I was looking for some opinion. <laughs> Yeah. I mean Don Henley was a controlling freak but he he's a brilliant man. I don't know. If you watch the 3 hour documentary you really get Oh okay.
0: I did watch it. Um you know I'm I'm going to say it Fuck the Eagles.
3: <laughs> oh man,
2: I'm with you so much. Listen, so you, you've seen the documentary I've seen the Big
0: Lebowski and you know I, just and I really hate the Eagles. Yeah, man fuck the Eagles. I
1: hate I, the, You guys just need to take it easy. Okay.
0: Ouch. Listen, I've only sang karaoke, like maybe like five times in my life. And four of those were Eagle songs. Just to let you know. How many of them
2: were Hotel California?
0: None. It was always take it easy. Uh, It was always Hotel California for me. And I, yeah, it was, it was a, it was, it was at this ridiculously, like you can't even call it a dive bar. Because that means it would have like some sense of like a business establishment it would have, uh, in, New, in New Haven, Indiana, like right off of like this big cloverleaf, um, uh, you know, bypass highway intersection, like is like tucked away in this little corner. I, I can't remember the name of it. My uncle used to go there all the time. And he he's like, oh, you got to come up. You got to come up. And it is just like the worst place alive. Except they had PBR tall boys. So, <laughs> so that was their saving grace. And my dad always got a kick out of that place because uh, he couldn't believe they were, they were serving up beer in cans. That was like a big, it made him chuckle.
2: Okay, so uh, I'll tell- It didn't make I'll,
0: him chuckle the couple times we left that place and I'm puking all over my dad's car, but I digress.
2: I'll tell a really quick personal story then because I know my dad listens to our podcast and this is about my mom. So- <laughs> oh <God. laughs> Speaking of PBR tall boys, whenever my parents visit out here in Chicago, there's a a pizza place across the street from me called the boiler room and they do $7 PBJs. And what it is, is it's a PBR, a shot of Jameson and a slice of pizza for seven bucks.
0: Oh my God. That's a great deal.
2: I know. So everybody in the family gets a PBJ and the first time we do it, the first time we do it, my mom turns to the server before he, before he walks away and says, could you bring a glass for me? And I said, no one makes this classy lady drinker
3: PBR tall boy out of a can. That's the story. You can
0: laugh now. That's fantastic. Yeah. I literally wrote down that. <laughs> <laughs> like, Lin, Lin, yeah, Lynn drinks Lin- her
2: PBRs out of, out of glasses, and it's, it's spectacular. And this Josh, spectacular. why don't you
1: make this the what to, uh, what to drink, what to eat uh, section of your, um, <laughs> your preview this week?
0: Now, damn it, Jude! <laughs> of course, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> that's why I wrote it down. All right, I'm with you. Oh, <laughs> right? uh, what? What, Brad? Yep. What was the name of this establishment? The Boiler Room. God, that's fucking great. California Avenue.
2: You there? It's Logan Square, Chicago, Illinois, California Avenue.
1: Have you ever seen Vin Diesel there?
2: Uh, there might be a picture of him on the wall.
1: Yeah, or Giovanni Rabisi, maybe.
2: Yeah, it's probably next to the picture of Vin Diesel. Oh my God, you guys!
1: This is, <laughs> is uh, just—we can't reference two thousand movies that no one's on. I'm not
0: sure who's still listening.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I
0: just—I'm just not sure. I mean, my dad definitely turned it off. That listen—that is our—that so ends our Boston College preview.
1: <laughs>
0: ben Affleck. <laughs> Vince let's just names, let's Nicky throw names out. I'm <laughs> <Tom> Everett Scott. <laughs>
3: <laughs> let's go. Joshua, Joshua. Jackson.
1: Nikki Cat. I forgot all about Nikki Cat. Anyways, moving along. The Boston. guy that played yes. never mind. <laughs> yeah, should've... we're yeah, we are moving on, gentlemen.
0: Okay. <laughs> I can't believe I gotta be the fucking adult <laughs> this is bull. <laughs> All right, so yeah, so ends our uh, so ends our Boston College preview. So let's let's go on to uh, let's just do our parting shots and let, let's wrap this bad boy up because believe it or not, I, I think we might just be like right around an hour right now. Um, yeah, just a little bit over an hour. That's not that's not too bad. Good for us. So Brad, let's let's start it off with you. Let's get uh whatever's on your mind. Oh,
3: not a whole lot.
0: I think <laughs> <laughs> the board
3: really
2: to the department. table tonight. I um I uh I, I finished up, you know, my last final exam last Saturday at Notre Dame and uh we'll see how the grades go. Don't know if I passed yet, but I'm feeling pretty confident. Uh, quite an experience. Um, I'm looking forward to this Saturday being my first open Saturday to actually watch Notre Dame football as a student slash future alumnus. Hopefully
3: it'll be fun. That's what's on my mind. Um, yeah, passing it off.
1: Uh, I just wanted to highlight a story that was posted um, yesterday. At oh, w- was it a
0: story you just you just posted, like, while we were –
1: Recorded the podcast? No, that's, that's a good story. that was an amazing
0: <laughs> feat, dude. <laughs> I,
1: I definitely suggest people check out One Foot Down because I posted the story while we were talking. You, um, that,
0: that's solid. That's uh, good for you. Uh,
1: looks like Lauren Moss of WNDU uh, did a feature story on Mike Hireman, uh, who you guys might remember as uh, a guy who took a medical hardship. He was a tight end. He had a, a brother who went to Ohio State. Um, this would have been right around, what, probably right around the 2012 team maybe first couple of years of Kelly and um, he
0: was, yeah. Cause he was recruited by, by Charlie Weiss.
1: Yeah. So um, Mike's story is, is uh, a sad one with a good ending right so far or a good continuation, good next chapter, which is uh,
0: so, so far. He, it sounds good. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So uh, he got, um, he got uh, hurt a lot and uh, basically tore up his body playing football for Notre Dame and for his high school. And um, when he took the hardship, he, learned to, to uh, kind of get used to opioids to manage his pain. And unfortunately when the opioids ran out, he, he turned to heroin, Um, realized he had a a major problem. And um, with the help of his, of his family and um, you know, sort of his, his support system at Notre Dame and beyond uh, checked himself into rehab and is now uh, in December will be two years sober. So I I definitely uh, suggest you guys check this out. I think it's a, A great story about um, how Notre Dame is always home to people even when um, their life doesn't go as planned and I think that's a it's a it's a good uh, reminder that uh, we need to uh, look out for these people because they are part of the Notre Dame family and I'm so glad that Mike found the help that he needed, and is also continuing his education. Um, I think he's getting his MBA, right? Uh, or um, yeah, man- I, think, I think so. Management consulting degree uh, from yes. Notre Dame. So, uh, bravo to Mike for his for his road back, and bravo to his support system, and and congratulations to Lauren for for getting a story that's kind of being passed around um, the Twitter of Notre Dame. So it's a good story, and I definitely hope people check it out.
0: You know, I didn't really need to start having you do the last one, Jude, because you yeah. always make me seem like a schmuck. <laughs> Mine's not uh, the like uh,
1: 150 patch that's not being worn.
0: <laughs> there goes that one. I'm like just checking shit off left and right. No, but that that was a great story. I <clears throat> we talked about this before we recorded uh, the podcast. Like, I was this caught me completely unaware about uh, about Hireman situation, and there aren't a whole lot of secrets. You know, involved with Notre Dame when you, when you start talking to people around the program and all that. I had never heard a whiff about uh, the, the stuff going on with Mike and reading that story and seeing that. Um, man, that was that's just amazing. You know, and not just the support system they had, but he had like flat out pushed them away it was like on the, I mean, like you can imagine, right, with, a, with, with an addict and, and, and how that goes and to push your family away and then they're their family. They just come right back and, and try to put you on the right path. Cause I it's an it's an amazing story. I I was I was pretty moved last night when I read that. And Jude, you're a schmuck uh for making me look like a schmuck for not having something as good to follow you, you bastard. So <laughs> but I will end it with with uh with a little bit of good news. Notre Dame hockey. I'm just gonna shout for like, dude, we're good. We're really good. Uh <laughs> uh they're they had a great, I mean, it, that was an awesome series. They had against state. Um, they they split a couple games with Wisconsin, but that was up in Madison. They're getting points. They got Michigan state coming up this weekend. Uh, one foot down will be in East Lansing for that coverage. Um, Friday, if not Saturday, I'm not sure, but uh, I'm really excited. I just want to give a bad shout out to the hockey team. Just rolling through the big 10. Once again, looking at a three P it's fantastic. Uh, other than that, I'm just going to, Say, look, you know, find us over at onefootdown.com. Uh, we are all over social media, Twitter at one foot down, Facebook, Instagram, one foot down. Yes, there is a TikTok. No, I have not posted anything more to TikTok since the last <laughs> time I mentioned it. But uh but I am I am I do have some thoughts about a Chase Claypool uh thing coming up. So but yeah, just lots of good stuff. Uh we will we will. We are just riding this season out. Look, there's two games left. And whatever your thoughts are about this team this year, Brian Kelly, Ian Book, look, none of the shit matters right now. There's only two games left in the college football regular season. For- and if you're anything like me, the rest of the year is a barren wasteland of soulless, soulless despair. I mean, it's, it's just bad. And yes, I'm drunk. I've been drinking, and so I might get depressed thinking about the months to come without college football. But it really sucks. It's, it's no good. Um, shout out to Eastern Michigan, bowl eligible. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but so <laughs> enjoy these next two weeks. I really think Notre Dame is gonna gonna take both Boston College uh, and Stanford out to the woodshed, which should give even it should give you some kind of like revenge, like level points. In just some twisted way, uh, because Boston College, little freaking bastards, and then Stanford, obviously, frankly, has that one out there during his entire tenure in Palo Alto. So, you're exercising a demon there. I mean, we're all about getting rid of demons, guys. So, Can we do score predictions real quick. Yeah, you, you know what? I'm sorry. I, I, yes, I have been drinking. Uh, so <laughs> let's, we are not done with our Boston College preview. Let's get to score predictions, and I swear to God, I will stop talking. Right, what do Brad, you what, do you, what do you got for this game, Brad?
3: 41-13. Irish. God, I love that pick. Exercise that in ball. the Demons. I'm going to go 38-10. I'm thinking. I can only come up with one number. Fifty-two, seventeen. Yeah.
2: All right. Wow. 52, I, I
0: 52. can only think of one number, and yet I wrote down fifty-two, thirteen. <laughs> What's wrong with me? <laughs> My God, <laughs> Almighty! <sighs> this is this is right. enjoyable. This is enjoyable. This was enjoyable. This I wasn't. At least this wasn't Jude and I yelling back and forth. What about Michigan? Navy sucks. Don't worry about it. But what about Michigan? That might have been a bad podcast. This one was good. We had some fun.
1: <laughs> daddy and Daddy aren't fighting tonight. We're
2: <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> gonna have to witness that.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. All right. Let's end this. Go Irish. Go Irish. Uh...